0: real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: The rumors of haunting at Bear Mountain National Park had become too persistent to ignore. Ghostly apparitions and unsettling sounds had unsettled visitors and staff alike. As a park ranger, it was my duty to investigate these claims even though my skeptical nature resisted the notion of supernatural occurrences. Reluctantly, I delved into the park's history, searching for any clues that could shed light on the source of these mysterious happenings. It was during my research that I stumbled upon a tragic event that had taken place decades ago. A former park ranger had encountered something beyond belief, a sighting of Bigfoot. The accounts of this former ranger sent a chill down my spine. Could there be a connection between the ghostly apparitions and the elusive creature of folklore? The more I unraveled the park's history, the more I realized that there was a restless spirit involved—the spirit of the deceased former ranger, killed by the very creature he had encountered. With newfound determination, I embarked on a quest to help the tormented spirit find peace and restore harmony to the park. Armed with knowledge and an open mind, I sought to bridge the gap between the living and the dead. It was a journey that challenged both my skepticism and my courage. I ventured into the heart of Bear Mountain National Park, following the trails that the former ranger had tread before his untimely demise. As I traversed the dense woods, an eerie atmosphere enveloped me, as if the spirits of the past were watching my every move. Then I saw it. Amidst the trees, towering and enigmatic, stood Bigfoot. The creature's presence was both awe, inspiring and intimidating. I knew that if I were to help the restless spirit find peace, I would need to confront this legendary being. Summoning all my courage, I approached the creature cautiously and with respect. To my surprise, it did not react aggressively, but rather regarded me with a sense of understanding. It was as if the creature recognized my purpose, my intention to bring resolution to the park, through a silent, otherworldly communication. I understood that Bigfoot held no malice toward the former ranger. In fact, it felt remorse for the tragic outcome of their encounter. The spirit of the ranger had been trapped in a state of unrest, unable to move on, and Bigfoot desired to rectify this injustice. Together we embarked on a shared mission, to guide the spirit toward peace. With Bigfoot's guidance I discovered a hidden location, a sacred place where the former ranger had met his demise. There I performed a solemn ritual invoking the spirits of the land to bring solace to the tormented soul. As the ritual concluded, a sense of tranquility washed over the park. The ghostly apparitions ceased, and the eerie sounds faded into the whispers of the wind. The restless spirit had found its release. Its journey to the other side finally complete. Grateful to Bigfoot for its unexpected aid, I bid farewell to the enigmatic creature. Though it would forever remain a mystery to most, Our encounter had cemented my belief in the interconnectedness of the natural and supernatural world. Bear Mountain National Park had been restored, its haunting shadows dispersed. The park's visitors once again reveled in the beauty of nature, unaware of the otherworldly events that had unfolded. But I, as a park ranger, carried the knowledge of the extraordinary and the gratitude for having played a part in restoring harmony to a place caught between realms. It was September 11, 2010, and my wife and I decided to go bow hunting on Wildcat Mountain, north of Esticada, Oregon. We followed an old logging road deep into the forest, enjoying the thrill of the hunt and the beauty of our surroundings. As we ventured further, we spotted an old log in the road that we had seen before. But this time, something was different. The bark had been torn off and we found several enormous tracks around it that measured twenty-two by inches. Intrigued, we decided to investigate the area thoroughly before returning to pick up a field research kit. After collecting the kit, we carefully plastered two of the tracks and examined the log more closely. That's when we noticed we weren't alone. A Bigfoot was watching us, and it seemed to be observing us from different angles. The realization sent a shiver down my spine and i couldn't help but feel a mix of excitement and fear as darkness began to envelop the forest my wife and i decided it wouldn't be safe to stay any longer with the plaster casts in hand we hurried back to our vehicle and headed home our minds racing with thoughts of our mysterious observer the following morning we returned to the site hoping to find more evidence of the elusive creature Unfortunately, a heavy rain had fallen overnight washing away the remaining tracks and any other clues that might have been left behind. Even though our encounter with the Bigfoot was brief, it's an experience my wife and I will never forget. The memory of that day on Wildcat Mountain continues to fuel our fascination with the legendary creature, and serves as a constant reminder of the mysteries that still lurk in the wild places of our world. It was Christmas, 1993, and the holiday season had brought my family together for a festive feast. After indulging in a scrumptious dinner I decided to take a ride with a couple of my young male relatives to enjoy the crisp winter air. Little did we know our peaceful drive would soon take a terrifying turn. As we drove along the quiet road our headlights suddenly outlined a six-foot creature. It was busy tearing apart a rotted log, apparently searching for grubs. The creature's eyes did not reflect in the headlights, as is often reported in similar encounters. It was a bulky, flat-chested being with muddy and scraggly hair. I noticed no pointed head, but there might have been a crest on the apparent male's head. The creature turned and gave us an angry look that sent shivers down our spines. Just recounting the story at a meeting later made the hair on my arms stand erect. It stared at us for what felt like an eternity before finally taking forceful, strident steps away. It climbed a bench on the hill and disappeared into the timber, having been in view for about fifteen seconds. We rushed home, our hearts pounding in our chests. I tried to reassure my nephews by telling them that what we had seen was just a bear, but deep down I knew the truth. It wasn't a bear. It was something much more mysterious and terrifying. During a queue and a session after recounting the story at a meeting, I shared more details about the creature. Its nose was somewhat human. Like and its facial features were strong and imposing. Its hands were large, with long dark and hairy fingers. The memory of that chilling encounter on Christmas night in 1993 has never faded. It remains a haunting reminder that there are still undiscovered mysteries lurking in the shadows of our world. My childhood memories of growing up in the rugged heart of Appalachia, some forty-five miles away from the nearest semblance of civilization, are as vivid as yesterday. One such memory that still sends a chill down my spine happened when I was eight years old, during a freezing winter night. Dad and I were huddled on the couch, the soft glow from the TV illuminating our living room. We were engrossed in an episode of sightings, a spine-chilling nineties show that featured alien encounters. The storylines were eerie enough to scare the living daylights out of me, and that particular night the universe decided to up the ante. As we sat absorbed in the show, a sudden knock-knock on the window cut through the silence of our isolated home. The pitch. Black world outside our window was a stark contrast to our lit living room, an unsettling thought that whatever was out there could see us while we were blinded to it. My dad, ever the protector, instructed me to stay put with the telephone by my side. With a mag-light in his hand, he ventured out into the bone. Chilling cold to investigate, he locked the door behind him, leaving me with explicit instructions to call the police if he didn't return in five minutes. As the door clicked shut, fear gripped me tighter. When he returned, his face wore an odd expression, but he brushed it off, suggesting it must have been an animal. Yet—his following actions betrayed his nonchalant explanation. He picked up our long corded telephone and dialed his best friend, requesting him to come up and investigate. Thinking I was engrossed in the TV, he retreated to another room, but I was far from distracted. I heard him say, his voice barely above a whisper, I'm telling you, there was a knock like someone was knocking on the window to be let in, but there were no footprints. I'm in my late thirties now, but the memory of that night, the knocking, the darkness, and my dad's hushed conversation still sends shivers down my spine. The mystery of who or what knocked on our window that snowy night in the isolated expanse of Appalachia remains unsolved, and perhaps it's better that way. I've always been fascinated by mythology, but I never expected it to be part of my day job. I'm Private Ava, a CIA agent with a PhD in history specializing in ancient civilizations and their myths. That was how I found myself in the middle of a bustling city, staring up at a cathedral and the stone gargoyles perched ominously on its roof. The city had been reporting incidents of the gargoyles coming to life and causing chaos, a fact that was hard for me to wrap my head around, but the evidence was undeniable. CCTV footage clearly showed stone figures moving around, their stony wings spread wide as they flew over the city causing panic and destruction. My unit was brought in to handle the situation, tasked with protecting civilians, battling these stone beasts, and figuring out how to put a stop to the chaos. And since I was the one with the knowledge of ancient myths and curses, I was expected to figure out what was causing this and how to stop it. Examining the cathedral and the gargoyles, I recalled a legend from medieval times, a tale of gargoyles coming to life under the influence of an ancient curse. The curse was said to be activated by a sacrilegious act committed on hallowed grounds. I shared my theory with my team and we started our investigation. We found out that a rare artifact, a golden chalice, had been stolen from the cathedral the night before the gargoyles came to life. I deduced that the theft was the sacrilegious act that had activated the curse. The curse could be broken according to the legend by returning the stolen item and conducting a purification ritual. While we searched for the chalice, the gargoyles continued their nightly reign of terror. We were on the front lines each night, using our tactical training to draw the gargoyles away from the civilians and minimize the damage. It was a terrifying sight, battling against these monstrous stone creatures under the moonlit sky. Finally, we tracked down the thieves and recovered the chalice. But the hardest part was yet to come, Conducting the purification ritual required someone who knew the ancient language, and that was me. As night fell, we prepared for another round with the gargoyles. But this time, we had a plan. As my team fought off the gargoyles, I stood on the cathedral roof, the golden chalice in my hands, reciting the ancient words of the purification ritual. It felt like an eternity before I finished. As the last word left my lips, a blinding light enveloped the cathedral. The gargoyles froze mid flight, then one by one they returned to their perches, becoming lifeless stone once again. The city breathed a sigh of relief. We'd done it. We'd protected the civilians, battled mythical stone beasts, and broken an ancient curse. It was a mission I'll never forget a testament to the power of history, myth, and the importance of a good team. Now, Whenever I walk by a cathedral and see the gargoyles perched high above, I can't help but shudder and remember that fateful mission. And as a CIA agent who specializes in history and mythology, I know better than to underestimate the power of a good legend. It was four or five years ago, but the memory of that night still haunts me. My ex-boyfriend and I were driving through one of Georgia's national battlefields once an Indian land, with a history of haunting stories. The stars were shining brightly that night, and we wanted to take advantage of the clear sky and peaceful atmosphere. We cruised along the empty roads, windows down, enjoying the night air. My ex decided to stop at one of the fields to capture the beauty of the Milky Way with his camera. I stayed in the car, gazing at the sky, lost in the vast expanse above me. Suddenly, from the corner of my right eye, I saw something white crawling towards the car. My heart skipped a beat, and my first thought was that it must be a ghost. After all, the battlefield was known for its haunted past. But as I looked more closely, I realized this was something entirely different. This creature had no face and moved with an unnatural gait as if all of its bones were broken. The sight of it sent shivers down my spine, and I was paralyzed with fear, unable to react or call out to my ex. As he finished taking the picture and returned to the car, I mustered the courage to turn and fully face the creature. It had stopped making its way towards us, and, as if sensing our attention, darted back into the woods. My ex, oblivious to what had just occurred, started the car, and we drove off leaving the eerie encounter behind us. Ever since that night I've believed that I came face to face with a skinwalker. The fact that it had no eyes made me question my conclusion, but the experience was too terrifying and unexplainable to be anything else. To this day I can't shake the image of that faceless creature crawling towards us, and the memory of that night serves as a chilling reminder of the unknown lurking in the shadows. I had an eerie encounter during a solo hunting trip. I had successfully tagged out on the first day of a deer hunt, and with ten full days off work I wasn't ready to return to the real world just yet. I decided to spend a few nights exploring new areas of the hunting unit for future seasons. I took a service road deep into the wilderness and found the perfect spot in a valley surrounded by towering peaks. I set up camp and then ventured out to scout the area for deer, just for fun. As I headed back to camp I noticed something peculiar several of the trees surrounding my campsite were scarred with deep vertical marks. They looked like claw marks, but I couldn't tell if they were from a bear, a mountain lion, or even purposefully made by someone trying to fool people like me. I shrugged it off and settled in for the night. Being a light sleeper, any sound or disturbance could easily awaken me. And in the dead of night, that's precisely what happened. I was jolted awake by the most chilling sound I had ever heard, a screaming banshee-like wail echoing through the valley. I lay there, frozen in my sleeping bag as the eerie sound repeated several times, each scream sending shivers down my spine. I tried to rationalize the noise, telling myself it must be a distant animal or the wind howling through the trees, but deep down I couldn't shake the feeling that something otherworldly was out there haunting the valley. As morning broke, I packed up my camp, my nerves still on edge from the night before. I left the area, unable to shake the memory of the spine-chilling screams and the unexplained claw marks. To this day, the experience remains one of the most unsettling moments of my life, a reminder that there are still mysteries lurking in the wild, waiting to be discovered by the unsuspecting adventurer. I'm atheist, so, or I'm an abnormally lucky guy, or somebody is watching out for me. Not one, not two, not three, but four times I had this urgency to go to an open area. If I were claustrophobic, I would understand it. But I, when I got to this open area, not one single building around me and strong earthquake will hit the town. Puebla, 1998, 1999, and 2017 and about 2015 weird thing is I live in those cities. Four times I've outran in hurricane category five by matter of hours. When I need something, I usually get it. You want to know how crazy it has become this. Last year, due pandemic. United States Consulate in Mexico stopped all working related to foreign visas. Without visa, I couldn't work on the United States, so I got dumped to that opportunity. Fast forward to September and another chance is hitting my doorbell. Better salary, better conditions, just plain better. But since I didn't cancel my visa appointment, I had preference during the few three or four weeks the United States consulate worked before having to shut down again. Everything was just one day to do. One day wait to the interview, one day to get the visa. From there I can go on and on about losing bus tickets only to later seeing that bus was wrecked or hijacked. Only studying the topics of a test was so common my classmates were pending on what texts I ended up studying. Seriously, I'm a very lucky person. And before you ask, I have never lost on lotteries, scratches, and those kind of things. Never. I have never won big time, but never lost, and I got the feeling I shouldn't keep trying. I can't honestly explain from where such good luck comes. And I know statistics, and I know chances are almost always on our favor. But seriously, I just have so much luck that is just ridiculous. Living in a small town can often mean long drives to access shopping centers and entertainment venues. My ex-girlfriend, my daughter, and I decided to head to the nearest city about 25 miles away to spend a weekend browsing bookstores and enjoying a day out, just like we used to do before my ex left and C-19 disrupted our lives. The drive was familiar and uneventful taking us past a state park that we'd visited countless times before. However, on this particular day, something strange caught my eye, hovering about a hundred feet or so above the center of the road. Just above the tree line was a shiny metallic ball. Its presence was inexplicable, and I couldn't take my eyes off it as I tried to make sense of what I was seeing. My focus on the mysterious object meant that I was no longer paying attention to the road, and before I knew it, The car had veered too far to the side, causing the tires to make that unmistakable brar sound as they hit the grooves on the shoulder. My ex girlfriend, clearly alarmed, shouted, Babe, urging me to correct our course and avoid an accident. I quickly straightened the car and asked her, Do you see that? She responded with a puzzled, What? When I looked up again to point out the strange metallic ball, it had completely vanished. It was as if it had never been there in the first place, and I was left questioning my own perception. We continued on our journey to the city, but the encounter with the mysterious object weighed heavily on my mind. I replayed the incident over and over in my head, trying to understand what I had seen and why it had disappeared so suddenly. My ex-girlfriend and daughter remained skeptical, but I knew that what I had witnessed was not a figment of my imagination. To this day I still have no explanation for the shiny metallic ball that appeared and vanished in the blink of an eye. The experience has left me with a sense of awe and curiosity, a reminder that there is always more to discover, and that the world around us is filled with mysteries waiting to be explored. Falling asleep in my hammock while on a backpacking trip only to wake up in the middle of the night surrounded by dark moving objects, flicked my headlamp on to reveal a small, hard of elk now standing stock, still staring at a very confused, frightened human with a light on its head. They all held that position for several seconds, then bolted. Elk are a lot bigger and menacing when you're by your lonesome, and they are within arm's length of you. Some years ago, my brother and I, he was like 11 and I, two years older, made some small hiking tours in the forest surrounding our village. One time we found that little abandoned shed there with just one room without a door and a small porch. There was nothing really interesting, just some newspapers from 10 to 15 years ago lying on the ground. But we were little kids and found this mysterious, so we came back a few times. It happened the last time we were there. Suddenly when we were about to go I heard a loud noise from the attic which was locked with a shutter on the outside of the shed. I thought it sounded like something wanting to move out there. We left that place in a hurry. A few weeks later we decided to go there again, and suddenly a woman I've never seen before went into our way. She asked us where we wanted to go, and we answered with nowhere. Then she said something like, then bugger off, and we ran away. There was nothing else there except this cabin and we were not on private property i've never been there again but i'm 17 now so i think i should pay it another visit not a very mysterious tale but i would be interested to know who that woman and what that noise was my dad and myself went to the rural country cemetery located in the bowels of the mountains this cemetery has been there for at least 80 to 90 ish years The cemetery sits on a small hill with a very steep road going up, and only a very good truck with four-wheel drive or an off-roading vehicle. It is located in between a four-way with only one home, a double-wide trailer located down the hill. It has been empty and for sale for about a year or two, and was empty during the time of our visit. It has a fence encircling it and two pine trees sitting in the middle of it. That is where my family is buried at, my grandmother and grandfather are both buried there as well as also my uncle. Has his ashes buried there at the foot of my grandfather's vault. Three other aunts and uncle are also buried there as well as also my great-grandparents. We got out and went in through the chain-locked gate that you have to pull apart and open from the outside. And we sat there at the grave of my grandparents for about 20 or 30 minutes talking. We sometimes like to walk around the grounds for a little bit before we headed back to town. And today was no different. We walked around looking at the graves, from the seventeen and eighteen hundreds as well as Cherokee graves marked by rocks at the very back of the cemetery. However, I find something odd on the ground by the flat grave marker of a grave from the eighteen hundreds. It was a large bare foot, at least two times larger than my own. I sat there stunned by what I was seeing. Its big toe was extremely large and round in the shape of a quarter, perfectly round. Its arch was very broad and curved very sharply making the rest of the foot almost look sideways in appearance. Whatever it was, was there the night prior passing through? I inspected the ground surrounding the rest of the cemetery and saw nothing else. No other tracks. Nothing. When I got home, I told my mother what had happened. She seemed to believe me and my father, considering I never had lied about or seen anything like that before, and could see the amazement on my face. Sometime later my aunt happened to be visiting and I told her about the track I had found out there, and what she told me was very creepy. She told me that when my other uncle, my father's other brother, was out there visiting the graves years prior he had come home and said that something was in the cemetery. He said he had felt watched and was very creeped out being alone back there. Story 2 When my grandmother died in the fall or early winter of 2018, my aunt and uncle had moved into her trailer until they could secure a new home and move back from Tennessee to be closer to family. Many people who stayed the night there while my grandmother was still alive would swear that my grandfather's spirit, who died of cancer under hospice care in the trailer years prior, was haunting the residence. Strange footsteps in the night, voices, and knocking on the trailer walls would always be reported. My father had even encountered said oddities. The knocking would come from outside, and when looking outside or stepping out there with a gun, nothing was there. Prior to my grandmother's passing, my father's only living brother had come to visit her at the trailer one evening, and said that he had seen my grandfather standing by her with his arm around her, and said, "'Son, I am going to see your mother very, very soon,' and then vanished. And my grandmother did join him. A few months later, That was when my aunt and uncle had moved in afterwards nothing strange happened yet and eventually they had found a suitable new home to move into and on a cold winter's night in the dead of night and the power to the trailer being cut as you would expect given them moving the power bill didn't need to be paid we arrived at the home and began moving them out boxes of clothes TV, couch, and beds, all loaded into the U-Haul, parked in the front yard with the engine running and keys in the ignition. Suddenly, every light source we had helping us see suddenly went out. A flashlight we had hung on the front porch facing the front door went out, and the U-Haul's engine completely died. We went back out and turned them back on. However, a few minutes later, it did it again. Everything went black. That is when I started being followed around while inside the rooms of the trailer. I felt like someone was following me around, and I swear at times I would hear a female voice saying, "'I as well as also!' A male spirit, which was also heard by my father while in the living room. This continued on, and finally after everything was loaded into the U-Haul and we regrouped outside, getting ready to leave, we were talking out in the front yard. I swear I could hear someone walking across the hardwood floors in the home." We left a few minutes later. A new family moved, and a few months later, after doing some rehab on the trailer, and as far as we know, no other paranormal activity has been reported since. Story 3. My father and myself was driving back to town after visiting my aunt, his sister, and my uncle. It was late evening and raining. Everything was muddy and wet and fog was hovering somewhat over the hills and ridge lines. When we got to the bend in the round a little curve about a mile out from their house, when suddenly this woman with short black hair comes, walking out of the dense, thick woods. Beside the wood my father almost hit her head on and swerved to avoid her. She was wearing a rain jacket and black sweatpants and dirty tennis shoes. It looked like she had been in the woods all night and maybe even all week long. She had mud all over her pants, her jacket and shirt underneath was soaking wet, and her hair was a mess she looked very disheveled and stared at us all the way up the road just starring i even looked back in the riverview mirror and she was still up there at the side of the road looking at us not even moving back into the woods or walking away just starring she was never seen again i often wondered just what the hell she was doing out there e wet and alone perhaps she was kidnapped whatever the case however something was off about her Good morning as I sit reading this article, it amazes me that no one caught one of these things yet. I understand that if something with a 25-30 feet wingspan flies past you, you're not going to grab your camera as a first instinct. My son and I saw this monster thing last summer in Mertstown, Pennsylvania. We were parked on the side of the road in a heavily wooded area when this thing casually glided up the road. It looked big enough to carry a full-grown man away with no effort. When the wing flew over the hood of my car, we instantly ducked down. This thing had a round, human-sized head with no beak, hence the term man, bird, and huge bat-like wing. Now, I would never tell this story if it wasn't for my 16-year-old son sitting in the back seat who also witnessed it on that summer day. I'm a pretty capable guy. Not too many things can shake me. But this thing scared the hell out of me wingspan was twenty-five thirty 30 feet easy, no feathers, bat-like skin, jet black, and a four or five feet skinny, rat or dragon, like tail that stuck straight out. This thing didn't fly like a bird, it glided about 10 feet off the ground at a very slow speed. After 50, 75 feet of gliding, it took one huge flap of the wings, never changing elevation, and glided up the road till it disappeared into the woods. I'm convinced this thing lives underground, probably near some sort of hot spring because it has no feathers. Well, that's my story. Feel free to reply with any questions. That 45 second event will forever be etched into memory. I say we find it and catch it. I would love to see it again up close.